1: maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts.
0: Welcome to the podcast.
1: In this podcast episode, I talk with Joanne Wortham about how to mobilize the creativity and productivity that diverse teams can offer. Joanne Wortham, welcome to the conversation today.
0: Thanks so much, John. I'm so happy to be here.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the LA area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about how to mobilize the creativity and productivity that diverse teams can offer. I love talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I love talking about creativity and productivity. So when anytime we can bring the two together, I think that's a fantastic dialogue to have. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. As we get started, I wanted to share Joanne's bio with everybody. Joanne Wortham is a seasoned international thought leader, who uses insight from lived experiences along with her background in education, healthcare, business, and risk management to create novel approaches to today's most critical workplace concerns. With over 20 years of experience, as well as a Master of Science in Nursing Education and a Juris Doctorate, she has presented and consulted for such prestigious groups as the Institute of Healthcare Improvement and Yale Health. She was also a consultant and contributor for the American Society of Healthcare Risk Management Human Capital Playbook. And there's many more accolades and things I could share about you, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background, personal context before we dive on into the conversation?
0: Yeah, thanks so much, John. Um, I actually um, uh, wrote a book, EDI is the New Black, Lead the Market with Diverse Teams. Um, and this work really is my life's work, if, if I can say it like that, with really bring, bringing to the uh, you know the marketplace, what diversity, equity, um, and inclusion can do uh, for companies and corporations and how they can really better use uh, the tenets of equity, diversity, and inclusion for really pushing their companies forward uh, and making it a healthy workplace for all their employees.
1: Yeah, and really at the root of all of this, anytime we're talking about these sorts of topics, I think it is important for for everyone listening to recognize and see themselves in the conversation, that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is for everybody. Uh, when, when we create a more healthy workplace, that improves the lives and the working conditions of everybody. So sometimes, you know, you'll have um, some individuals who might say, you know, why are we focusing so much on this? What, you know, there, there may be a, a white guy who says, you know, well, what about me? Where am I in this conversation? And one, we need allies, so that's important. But two, it literally is for you because it's for everybody. Uh, when, When we treat people well, when we treat people with dignity and respect, when we create healthy workplaces with psychological safety, where everyone can bring their whole authentic self to the workplace, that makes for just a better environment for everyone to thrive. And that's really what we're going for. We're just looking to treat everyone with dignity and respect. Um, So on the outset, I just wanted to to make that kind of a statement. Um, Now, as we move in to talk about diverse teams, we're going to get into the creativity and productivity piece here. And hopefully it's really obvious and maybe it's a bit repetitive, but maybe you could outline for us some of those distinct benefits and values that come from diverse teams in comparison to more homogeneous types of teams.
0: Right, and and you know the the real thought there, uh, John, would be the more diverse uh, folks that you have in your team, the more diverse the ideas will be, Mm -hmm. right? The more diverse the approach to the work will be, right? And so what, um, I love what uh, Bernstein said, Uh, he's an author and analyst, and he was talking about how when you have a, a homogeneous team, then you have homogeneous ideas. Yeah. And oftentimes with the startups that you're seeing now, uh, I guess mostly I'll call them young people because I feel like I'm a little bit old right now. But younger people, you'll see that they're looking for diversity, uh, not just in race, but also uh, in gender. Right. Um, Looking for different cultural uh, experiences to bring to their products and to bring to the way that they actually are going out to move in the community to sell their products. They're really looking for these diverse ways of doing things. Um, And they're seeing this, that they make more money when they're more inclusive. Um, And I know you remember this, and and, uh, being a black woman, um, I can tell you this, uh, for some times, and and this is is so uh, uh, obvious, so to speak to me, um, but let's just say you're selling stockings. You don't wear stockings, John, but I'm just saying. You're selling stockings. For a long time, I couldn't get any that were my color, the color Mm. of of my skin, right? And so it left this gap in the market because you were selling something for the majority and excluding minorities, right? And so uh, in so doing, you were losing money. So, And it presented this gap in the market that other um, uh, companies came in and filled that gap uh, because there was no diversity, uh, let's even say for makeup. There was no, no diversity. So you had these these companies coming in and filling those gaps. So to ne- today, uh, you're seeing that all of these companies are looking at, wait a minute, uh, right now, uh, and I think this was in Times Magazine, they were talking about how, Uh, minorities are growing here in the United States and across the world, or what have you, and citing that if companies didn't move in that direction to be more inclusive of everyone, that they were going to be the losers. They were not going to be able to lead the market with only serving one part of the population, whatever part that might be. Um, And so the innovation, to answer your question, the innovation, bringing cultural concepts uh, into how you make your product, but then also how you uh, market uh, your product. Uh, companies are seeing that uh, really diversity pays.
1: Yeah, well, and I'm glad you brought up those specific examples. Um, now, th- it's not something I even think about. Yeah, I don't wear stockings. I don't wear makeup. <laughs> right. um, you know, but I, I've heard this from my wife Um you know, and, and I'm married to a Caucasian woman. And so, you know, she hasn't had that particular issue, but she's pretty mindful about this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, she's been very careful about cruelty-free makeup and those sorts of things. And so over the, over time, she shared some of this with me. And frankly, I was shocked. I'm like, I mean, on the one hand, I was shocked on the other hand, it wasn't surprising at all, but unfortunately, but I was shocked. I'm like, how in the world do we not have a much wider range of like makeup palette? colors right for people of all different backgrounds and races why wouldn't we have that that just seemed crazy to me and yet it's only been pretty my understanding is it's only been quite recently that that has improved quite a bit is that
0: right very very recent you even see in terms of john you see um how the shapes of women the shapes Mm. of men that we use in commercials have you noticed that that has changed like not just doing uh skinny, so to speak, pristine and this kind. They're just showing a whole barrage of different people. You know why? Those are consumers. Those those are consumers. Uh, And everybody doesn't look like a model. And and everybody doesn't. And so you have to show how is your product used for these other folks? You see them looking at gender diversity. You see this in Mm -hmm. our commercials right now. So some companies are waking up. Um, And I always say this. I mean, you don't want to make a product for a black person, but the issue is um, money is green. Um, People, uh, uh, people at large size, small size or what have you, everybody doesn't look alike. Thank goodness. Um, Wouldn't that be a dull world?
1: (laughs) That would be a dull world. That would be
0: so dull. (laughs) You know, uh, people don't look. I mean, you look at the uh, Latinx community. They were having the same problem. They were having the yeah. same problem that different products weren't made for them. And so I think some companies, not uh, not all, but some companies are waking up and seeing that we have this whole world, right? Um, and here's the thing. We're not just talking about the United States of America. I mean, we're talking about this whole world that you could be selling to this whole community, world community, right? And so for your uh, companies and corporations that are looking at this as a as a worldwide community you're gonna find out they're doing better
1: yeah yeah and and again it really it's it's kind of crazy to think that you wouldn't be doing that um regardless of you know even thinking about race equity um you know racial gender issues or or diversity equity and inclusion like just from a, a pure like dollars and cents, you know bottom line, perspective, you'd think, of course, why wouldn't you be creating makeup lines that work for everybody? So you have a bigger market, right? So it it is, it is crazy that it's only been recently, like within the last couple of years is my understanding that that's become more of a common thing. And like you said, just the the representation in, in media and commercials and such Um, for different body types and different gender expressions and all sorts of things that has changed quite a bit just recently. So, um, you know, I I think it's worth making a really important point here that the business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion is incredibly strong. Um, You know, the pure dollars and sense of it, it just makes all the sense in the world that you would do this. That's not even getting to what I think is the bigger and more important conversation. And that is around the human case of like we just need to like treat people well, treat people with dignity and respect. And of course, we want to uh you know give everyone a fair shake in the marketplace and in the workplace. And that's just the right thing to do. Right. Um but even if you can't get there or even if that's a hard argument to get your C-suite executives to kind of buy into, man, just make the business case because it's clear um that you you, you're going to have a bigger market. You're going to sell more stuff, more products and services. Um, and the other aspect that you started to talk about and gave a couple examples of that I want to highlight too, is, is just the creativity piece. Like when you get people from different backgrounds and it, it doesn't need to just be gender or race, ethnicity, you know, some of the more kind of visual, um, obvious types of diversity, but just cultural differences, socioeconomic differences, um, you know, you, you come from different upbringings, different values, different perspectives. You have different lenses through which you see the world. And when you have teams like that, that can come to the table and have meaningful conversations and push back on each other, you're going to get better ideas. You're going to get better products and services that are going to meet the needs of, of the marketplace better. You're just going to have better stuff. And so it, it just stuff. makes all the sense in the world that we would try to do everything we can to make sure we have really healthy, safe, dynamic, diverse, and inclusive teams.
0: For the most part, John, uh, if you look at what we have done in the past, it really was more of us uh, looking at the moral you know, part of it. Uh, companies saying, well, we just need to get more, and, and I call this counting. We just yeah, needed yeah. to get more numbers yeah. of women, numbers of Latinas, numbers of life. And so we counted um, how many we had, but we weren't really using the actual value of those people in producing products and services. We were just trying to make make them more, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but we were just, we, we were counting, okay? <laughs> we were counting, yeah. trying to make sure that the numbers were right. Uh, we moved from that over to uh, what I call niche, meaning mm-hmm. that some companies said, oh my gosh, I need to hire a black person so they can be over the black, you know, communities mm-hmm. and black products mm-hmm. so that we can get out there, you know and actually compete. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that. But when you look at this new model of the learning organization, that's really where you want to head. You want to know how you how these people, and, and that would be the, one, the ones that you were explaining here. Maybe they're from a different part of the country. Uh, yep. Maybe they have a different cultural aspect. How do they do the work? how how is the work done differently? How can we learn from them, become a learning organization in terms Mm -hmm. of equity, diversity, and inclusion? And really, I'm not saying anything is wrong with the moral end of it. Of course, we should do the right thing, right? I, I don't see anything wrong with that. But I don't think, so to speak, we're squeezing all the juice out of our orange. We're just looking at numbers or we're just looking at niche markets when we really should be looking at how these folks can teach us how to do the work differently, a lot of times even more efficiently. How right. can this work be done? How can this product be made better? Looking at it from this cultural perspective, like or where they're from, their lived experiences, nothing like a lived experience to say, this is how this should be done. And a lot of um, different products, uh, uh, there's separate, separate products that I use right now, which really comes from lived experiences. Um, they have several, uh, different, why do I keep going back to stockings? I don't know why, John, but <laughs> you're going <have> to go, <laughs> you're gonna go, have to go back with stocks, but <clears throat> there are different things that, uh, women experience as a whole or about our bodies or what have you. And you'll see that there's different products out there now that women thought of because of something that had happened in their life. And they were like, right. you know what? We need to make spanks. I know you don't know what spanks are. But anyway, actually. I why? do, I do. You,
1: what? You know what <laughs> I know what they are, yeah.
0: Right. But when you hear her story, when you hear this um this inventor's story, she talks mm-hmm. about some things that were happening in her life. And yeah. how she sought to make that better by creating this product, and so a lot of times I think we leave that out of equity, diversity, and inclusion when we're looking at that. A lot of times you'll see, and and this is happening in terms of the makeup industry, clothing industry. I just saw the one where the man was saying he didn't want to tuck in his shirt, so he made mm-hmm. a new shirt that doesn't need to be tucked or what have. All these ideas uh, coming from women men other gender identities and what have you uh race ethnic we're creating new products we're creating a new world that better fits who we are right now different expressions of the human experience but you'll lose all of that if if you're just looking at i want to hire this particular group uh, and I'm I'm talking about for companies who only hire uh, blacks, or companies who are only hiring latinas, companies who only are hiring uh, whites. I, I'm saying if you broaden the way that you yeah. look at things, even in terms of men and women, if you broaden, you already know this, John, is that if you have women on your board, they're mm-hmm. known to make better decisions, yes. right? So I'm saying that if we look at it from the perspective of making the environment better for the people who are working there, we spend one third of our lives uh, at work,
1: at least, right? (laughs) At
0: least, yeah. I think I spend more, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'm saying if we're really looking at these metrics, if we're really looking at where we're headed. We'll know that equity, diversity and inclusion is not something because right now I'm telling you and I know you know this, John, our company, our our, our country here in the United States, very divided, yeah. uh, very divided. And a lot of people believe that we talk too much about equity, diversity and inclusion. Uh, when I go out to speak, the first thing that I talk to them about is. Uh, We're not talking about it in terms of trying to change what you think about any particular thing. What we're talking about is what's going on within this company, uh, what's going on with the work. And I'm here to talk to you about how you can make it better. Now, what you do at your home, that's up to you. But when we're talking about what is going on in the work environment, I want to talk to you about how you can make it better in terms of making it better for people, in terms of a healthy environment to work in, but then also making it better in terms of how you can progress with your company, how you can move forward, how you can make more money, you know, that type of thing. Um, they're shocked by that because I think when I show up, they they think I'm going to browbeat them uh, about how they should think about race and culture, uh, but that's not what I do as a consultant. I'm, I'm coming in to talk to you about how to make your, your work environment better and your business better. Um, now, in terms of you know biases and what have you, I really talk about how that's affecting the work and how that is affecting you, right? Yeah. While you're at work, right? And how you can get the best out of your employees uh, by assisting with not having you know microaggressions and different yeah. types of biases, doing what you can to decrease bias because we all have bias, doing what you can to decrease that. I'm talking about how to affect the work environment and how to affect the work.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. We're an incredibly divided country uh, politically, socially, economically, um, and very polarized. And so these types of conversations can be tough in part because it's become increasingly politicized to talk about equity diversity and inclusion unfortunately like I, in my mind it's not a political issue at all like it's just a human issue it's just like it's a business issue a human issue it's just like how, how do we treat each other well and my belief is that most people want to be treated well and want to treat others well um, I don't think most people wake up in the morning thinking how am I going to be a racist bigot today you know <laughs> um most I people the same
0: thing, John. I yeah most the
1: same people thing. want to do right by others and yeah. we all have our conditioning we all have our own upbringings and background we all have our lenses through which we see the world we don't need to complicate an already complicated set of conversations by making this political uh in a really polarized divided Um, environment. So I I think that's, that is a really important thing. So people don't feel defensive immediately, you know, when you're trying to have just open conversations about something that is about how we treat each other well and how we, we leverage the unique talents and insights of different people Um, because everyone wants to be effective at work. Everyone wants to have a good company and everyone wants to do good stuff and cool things and provide good things to the community um and so this is one of those ways that we can really do that um i want to take the rest of our time to really dive into this idea of mobilizing um people through diverse teams mo- mobilizing that creativity and productivity what what are you what do you see as some of the the best um strategies approaches tactics to to unlock that mobilization piece because it has been my experience that many people are just really nervous about even entering the space to have these types of conversations, uh, let alone start to like make make changes to policies, practices, procedures that might systematically change things and, you know, in my mind, improve things for the better for them and for the teams. How do you start that process to to, to mobilize the creativity and productivity of diverse teams? Well,
0: it's all about community. And so, one thing that um, I teach, and one thing that I believe very much in, is that uh, if people believe that they belong to a community, they will protect each other. Mm. Um, And one of the things that I work with is who do we have uh, in our community? What type? And this has been my experience on teams that I work on. Um, We have various differences and, and what have you in our teams, but I notice. Um, and even more so now that if we think that a team member has been um, treated poorly or badly or what have you, um, because they are a part of the community, you'll see those community folks sticking up for them. So mm-hmm. when you don't have a sense of belonging and you don't have a sense of community, then you'll see kind of everybody going uh, to their corner. So mostly I'm promoting becoming a part of a community and making that community responsible for itself. It Mm. starts at the bottom and then goes all the way up to the top. And so how can we do this? So one thing, uh, and I'm always talking about this, is uh, the issue about authenticity, letting people be who they are at work. How can we support that? Um, Some of the things that we have done in the past, let's talk about um, um, our Asian colleagues. Um, You'll see, and I always wondered about this, John. I was wondering uh, how one of my Asian colleagues was called Sally, because I knew that that wasn't an Asian name. She talked to me about anglicizing and how that they would get somebody to kind of read you their name so that they could be accepted. I didn't even know that that came from like colonial times mm. uh, when they wanted to kind of wanted to work in uh, the Englishman's house, they had to change their name to a more English name. Uh, we see that now, John, uh, in terms of code switching with African-Americans. You mm-hmm. know, There's a, um, what we call professional, you know, professionalism, which is really based on a white ideal, right? And then you whiten your name. So if my name is Tamika and it's Tamika Nicole, I don't put Tamika on it. I just put Nicole and put my last name and whiten my name so that I can get that interview or I can get in there. And then I have people calling me Nicole. So what psychologists say about that, though, is you're actually taking away from the authenticity of that person. Now, this is the person that we want in our community. And when we want these people in our community, we want them to be their authentic selves because it has been proven over and over and over again. That's where the innovation comes from. That's where the creativity comes from. So if you want to mobilize creativity and you want to mobilize uh, the innovation uh, of your product and your services, you want people to come to work as their authentic selves. So if they're wearing dreadlocks, I assure you that's not going to affect their brain. That that does not affect the <laughs> brain at all. Um, and professionalism, we're going to have to really look at that another way. Is it? And you can look through the years, uh, John. Professionalism has changed. Used to yeah. be. You know, men at work and women were at home. Used to be you had to wear a suit. Uh, Now they're saying you can come in, you know, basically casual. I mean, this has changed over the years. This is not a set of rules. And I think that when we don't allow people to be their authentic selves at work, we run into this obstacle of really mobilizing the creativity and innovation that they can bring to the table because they're too busy pretending to be someone else. So I it, t- know it that- takes
1: a lot of mental bandwidth to do that. Oh my right?
0: gosh, just the code switching, and I'll mm-hmm. t- I'll tell you this, John, and I'm I'm fine with it. And people laugh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I you know get my you know kind of get invited back is because I I just tell them what happened to me. I had my white girl voice. And and, and, I, and if I'm on the phone, I would do my white girl voice. But when I'm talking to people off the phone or I'm talking to some of my colleagues or some of my black friends, then I could be myself and I talked a whole different way. Uh, and I would code switch back and forth, back yeah. and forth. It's exhausting. It's yeah. absolutely exhausting. And because I was trying to be someone else, and I talk about that in my book, I found out that I was really just trying to be someone else and trying to fit um, into this mold where I actually didn't fit, and I was exhausted. Yeah. So uh, just so exhausted about it, left quite a few jobs and positions because of <laughs> sheer exhaustion. And I really wanted to just be uh, myself uh, and be accepted as myself. So, if you want to really mobilize innovation and creativity, try to rethink what you are ta- what you are thinking about what it, what professionalism is. Is that the way people dress? Is that the way that their hair is braided or not braided? I mean, now if you have a reason for doing it, Jonathan, like if you're in um, John, if you're in the uh, you're in service and you're serving food or what have you, and you have to wear your hair back. I'm a nurse. And if I'm on the floor, I would wear my hair back because right. that's an infection control thing. I'm not talking about that, but yeah. I'm talking about me and you talking, and then you thinking that I'm not professional because my hair is naturally curly, right? So, yeah. and do you think that's ridiculous, John? Because that doesn't have anything to do with your brain. I'm- <laughs> no,
1: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I I witness it I, again. I'm a straight cisgender white dude, so I you know I don't live this myself but i witness it and i see how others experience it and to hear you you know express these things it it sounds exhausting it, it sounds like it would just take half of your your mental and physical energy to just do that and and then you don't like what do you have left
0: what do you have you know, left for, John? What for do you all have left? the
1: innovative stuff that you want to do
0: right well and so you'll see those companies that are that's why yeah. google everybody's like google's just yeah because they let those guys <laughs> They're skateboarding. They're coming in. They tell them to come to work when they feel as though they would be most productive. (laughs) I'm just like, what is that? But I'm saying really following your employees and letting them know that they can be their their authentic selves. That really will mobilize uh, creativity and and innovation. If You just give it a try. Uh, Give it a try.
1: I love it, Joanne. This has just been a great conversation. I note the time I need to let you go, but before we wrap things up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
0: Sure, sure. So I am on LinkedIn uh, and it's just Jay Wortham uh, at LinkedIn. Uh, my book is uh, has been number one uh, within the genre on uh, Amazon and it is uh, EDI is the New Black, Lead the Market with Diverse Teams. Uh, And uh, I would hope that folks who would read it, I will assure you that this is not a book that's gonna browbeat you about race. It really is talking about how we can be better, more respectful toward each other and how we can move together, move forward together in what we do in the workplace in terms of our services uh, and our products. So I'm hoping that um, everybody will just uh, give it a try, give it a read. Um, And then I think my final note is, Gosh, i really enjoyed this conversation with you. I hope I get to talk to you again. Um, and just to let everybody know out there that, yeah, we are very polarized right now. And there's a lot of things that are going on that are being politicized that really don't have to be politicized at all. Uh, we're human beings uh, and we are evolving within this human experience. Uh, and we really do want to become the best people are humans uh, void of all this other stuff that's going on right now that we possibly can be. And I'm telling you, if you learn how to treat your uh, fellow neighbor, uh, whether in work or at home or wherever it is, when you give them the respect that they need, they give you that respect right back, we'll find that we're living in a whole nother world uh, that really is better for all of us.
1: Well said, Joanne. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Joanne can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe, and please join us again soon.